reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's all alone. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we got ourselves our last mailbag of the season. Last mailbag of the season. Justin Pennick, how are you? Hey, Bobby Skinner. I'm good. I, I love the mailbag pods. I love the in-season mailbag pods. I think it's our it's our best work because you have the chance to watch the film. There's a chance to kind of debrief and take a breath from the game on Sunday. And, uh, you know, hey, these are these Tuesdays are like our, our go, go, go days in the middle of the week. Um, but I'm still going to miss these episodes and these conversations with you. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Like we said, we always say that. Although we want to win, the mailbag pods are at their best when the Giants lose. So the mailbag pods have been great this year, uh, un- unfortunately. So we'll we'll get into all of it, um, you know. And like this is this is the last time I can just avoid all draft questions for the mailbag. So uh, that's that's pretty exciting. I think Wednesday I'm going to spend some time working on some rookie on, on some draft breakdowns. Ooh. or le- or get you know try and crank one out, get a player done, top player, and we'll go. So excited for uh excited to you know finish this season off with all of you uh speaking of people we're gonna finish it off with justin oh. speaking, speaking of people of, we're gonna finish off that uh, that's not what i said finish <laughs> it off with oh we got hold on hold on let me refresh it so we can t- we can let the people know we got jake Trueblood. did you see the last guy that uh we had a longer kick return or punt return than Gunnar Olszewski's name was like Al Blood or something. Mm. We got Diamond Ross. He's a he's a he's a diamond in the rough, not the diamond in the Ross. And Jake, by the way, is true blood. He's not a true crip. He's wearing blue in his picture. Kind of goes against that. Yep. Brandon Fitzgibbons. How about that, Brandon? We appreciate you. Let's go. Um, Justin, who are these people? <laughs> I'm wearing red in my picture. Because you were true blood. Diamond Ross, any relation to Aaron? Yes. It's actually his younger brother. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. $2 a month plus some of the tiers. You get to hang out with us. You, you remember the meme? It's like, why is uh, our sister's name, you know, Diamond? It's like, well, because your mother loves diamonds. Um, anyways, can you get me a beer NFL Sunday ticket? Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. $2 a you month. You didn't get it. You didn't get the joke. Nope, you didn't, I didn't get, get the it. joke. He's like it. saying, like, well, you're that's why your sister's named that because her mother loves that. And then he's saying to his son, whose name is NFL Sunday Ticket. Oh, nice. To, to go get him a beer. Go get him a beer. Because he loves NFL beer. Sunday Ticket. $2 a month, plus there's some other tiers. Um, I'm, I'm going through a very big dilemma in my head right now. The game being at 430 messes up my plan of having an annual trip to the Candlewick Diner after the game. On after the final home game of the season, because it's going to be, Rich. I feel like it's going to be too late, and we also have to record. But we could have like a breakfast, but it would have to be like really early because I get to the stadium early because I have to reserve the spot for the tailgate. So I don't know what let's, to do. Let's talk about that during the uh, one of the ads that we have. How let's about talk that? about that during the ads. Uh, take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. Let's get into the mail. And Jared Gutman is asking at NYG TSI, are you guys concerned that Kayvon Thibodeau hasn't quite taken that year two jump that the numbers 
say he has, he doesn't look like he's ever going to be a dominant edge rusher. I wouldn't go, I wouldn't go as far to, to say ever, but Bobby certainly, now that the sacks have fallen off, I think that there's a another discussion to be had about Kayvon Thibodeau's season. Yeah, I, I, again, I'm not going as far as this person saying, like, you know, I, I, he's never going to be. Like, I, I'm, I'm happy with Kayvon's second year. I am. Now, I think there's some worries about it, though, too, Justin. And just to go through the numbers, right, out of 78 edge rushers, he's 12th in sacks. That's awesome for a second-year player. Here's the not-so-good. He's 47th in sacks, hits, and pressures combined. He's 60th in pass rush production which is, you know, uh, amount of, you know, of sacks, his pressures per pass rush snap. And then he's 69th out of 78 in pass rush win rate, which again, to me, is like a true test of how good you're actually playing. And then for guys in his class, he's first in sacks, but he's seventh in the sacks, his pressures. He's 11th in pass rush production and 14th in pass rush win rate. So it's not just being a young type of thing. And, you know, all of the 2022 first rounders, they've caught up. They all have sacks. They all have eight plus, right? You know, Aiden Hutchinson, Carl Loftus, Trayvon Walker, Jermaine Johnson, they all have good sack numbers now. So here's the issue is he's just not consistently winning, which is bad. The good thing is, is he isn't a reciprocant of fake sacks, right? Like Kyler Fackrell having a 10 and a half sack season. That's, those are, those are fake sack numbers. His sacks are great on film and there's a lot of things you, he does very well on film, right? There is very good pass rush moves that show up on film. The issue is it's not happening consistently at all. Yeah, man. Which and I top twenty five rushers, it happens consistently. Yeah, man. And you know, you mentioned that you know Aiden Hutchinson has ninety three pressures according to PFF this year. He has twenty QB hits outside of the nine sacks that he has. So Pro Football Reference probably would have him at 29 QB hits. Pro Football Reference has Kayvon Thibodeau at, I believe, 13 QB hits right now. And that's with, like, you know, the that includes, like, they include sacks as as QB hits as well. Um, PFF Two has QB it as... QB hits outside the sacks from yeah, PFF. Yeah, three QB hits outside the sacks. That's like, I know Wink Martindale's system, and I know the quarterbacks are trying to get rid of the, or, or getting rid of the ball early, but I don't think that's a reason for the gap to be so large. Nick Benito... Jermaine Johnson, Trayvon Walker, Boye Mafe, George Karloftis, and Aiden Hutchinson all have more pressures than Kayvon Thibodeau. And Kayvon Thibodeau, like, his pressure number is decently okay. I mean, he's here the, the names that are in front of him in QB hits. George Karloftis, the same names, uh, including Kingsley Anikbare from the Packers, who I really did not like. You liked him a little bit more than I did. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's... The cons- it's the same conversation that we had a couple weeks ago. The, the consistency is, it's concerning me. And I, I'm I'm a little bit more down on his year because without that other productivity, without you hitting the quarterback, without you pressuring the quarterback at really an above average rate, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to easily replicate what he did this year, next year with the sacks. It's re- that'll be a really tough thing to predict. And that'll be a really tough thing to do if you're not hitting the quarterback. Oh, absolutely. He is candidate. If if you just go around the NFL and you're like, "Hey, who? Which pass rusher is a candidate of not having good stats this year? That uh, next year that it did this year? It is Kayvon Thibodeau because again, like those, he's not just like middle of the pack in those numbers. He's like, he's bottom. Yeah. Um. So, again, but I am happy with his season, right? I'm happy with his season. Again, there's like his wins are good wins, right? They're not just, you know. They're not just, you know, uh, oh, he's running, he's getting into the quarterback here or there. Like or he's, untouched, his wins are pres- good. untouched pressures, untouched sacks, right? It's not that. He's winning. He's, they're, they're good. Yeah, good or stuff. like, you know, third effort type stuff or, you know, quarterback running into him. That's not that type of shit, right? So you, f- you should feel very good about the sack number. Um, and sacks are ultimately, they're, they're much more impre- uh, important than hits and pressures, but right. hits and pressures are much more in- indic- indicative of future success. Yes. So, but he needs to take a step forward to be what we wanted in the fifth pick, right? Like he's already a good player. He's a piece to build around, but he, he does need to take a step forward to really be a player we can bank on to change the games for the Giants consistently. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, and I felt like we saw, 
man, this is this is it's, this is going too far. I almost wanted to say I felt like we saw more of those signs in in 2022 than 2023, but I mean, you still have the the Jets game that I feel like he really he really took over. Um, you know, there were some other games where you know even if it doesn't show up in the box score, I said, oh, Kayvon, I thought Kayvon really had a good game, and I thought he did play the run decently well at certain times this year, which he doesn't have a lot of run stops either, according to PFF, but I did think that he set a good edge at times. That's another thing that's inconsistent in my brain too. So again, consistency, consistency, consistency. That's the, that's the thing that I, that I want to see, especially from, you know, that, that stats perspective that I, that I like to look at. If Wink Martindale's gone, he would probably be the biggest benefactor of that. Especially if they went into, you know, four man fronts. Like I think he would I think he would be the biggest benefactor of a scheme change if the Giants went into a forty three defense and again, there's really no other Wink Martindale types out there besides Brian Flores. No, no, I think and him we're and not Banks, hiring Brian Flores, obviously. Right. And him and Banks I feel like would, would benefit. But yeah, I I, I agree. Yeah, so just we need need more consistency out of him. Like again, I'm happy with this year too, but we we have how many months until the next you know week one game? That is going to be the talking point the entire offseason with Cape on. It's good. Need to have more consistency and need need more out of you. Yeah, uh, and with wink with this being a Wink Martindale scheme, and let's just say in the in the perfect world in which Wink Martindale stays. That does make me concerned about what will Kayvon Thibodeau's third season look like, because when you don't have, you know, the pressures and the hits to kind of to kind of back you up, that will make me really worried about what that sack number will look like. I mean, if Kayvon Thibodeau can replicate double-digit sacks for the rest of his career, even when only hitting the quarterback, you know, five other times, but if you're getting ten plus sacks every single year for the next, you know, five years, sign me up for the rest of your for the rest of your rookie contract. If you're putting the quarterback down on the ground ten times every year, um, and it results in negative plays, forcing fumbles, getting turnovers, sign sign me up, man. But uh, I unfortunately don't don't have that, you know, Pandora's box of, you know, oh, if you get ten, Kayvon Thibodeau can easily be a player that gets ten sacks and fifteen QB hits every single year. That's a very very tough thing to do. There are some players that can do it. But that's a really, really tough, pl- tough thing to do. I know Khalil Mack throughout his career doesn't have like crazy QB hit years, um, but yeah, you know I, who's I'm another about one who's kind of could be on a similar track. It is Matthew Judon, which does give you a little, you know, hope. Like right, like Matthew Judon's year two, nine sacks, eight hits, eighteen pressures, which is less than Kayvon. Um Now he had he had less opportunities in there, right? He had a you know, he was better in all the other per per snap basis. But, you know, the year before he went to the Patriots, he had six sacks, 15 hits, and 18 pressures, which is somewhat similar to what Kayvon's done this he did year. Have a, he did have a 33-hit QB here. QB, yeah, QB the, hit year the, in 2019. 2019, he had a, a, an, an amazing year. year. But that, for Baltimore, was much better than the other years. Now, with New England... Again, he's been able to do a lot more, but that's why I talk about, hey, Kayvon could actually benefit from a scheme change. Hassan Reddick has also been a player, too. Before he went to the Eagles, 12 and a half sacks and 11 sacks in 2020 and 2021, 16 QB hits and 18 QB hits. And then it really wasn't until he went to Philly where you know he increased those sacks and, and has hit the quarterback even more. So Hassan Reddick with his year with Arizona in 2020 and then Carolina in 2021, pretty you know, if, if Kayvon Thibodeau turns into a Hassan Reddick kind of player, even before he went to the Eagles, again, I, I, I'll consider that a success, and I'll, and I'll tip my cap. But um, next year is obviously going to be a big year for Kayvon, especially if Wink is here. It'll be a really tough one to predict. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next question. Next question is coming from Alex Sanso at Sanso underscore Alex. How likely is it that the Giants draft an ad with their first draft pick? What do we want to talk about? Do we want to talk about DraftKings or do we want to talk about the tailgate first? You mentioned DraftKings. Why don't you do DraftKings? I'll do DraftKings. College football fans, the championship is here. And DraftKings Sportsbook is making sure you can throw down on the Epic Showdown for a shot at big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting $5 on the championship game. Download the app now and use code WORLD. 
New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting. Just 5 bucks on college football, only on the DraftKings Sportsbook with Code World. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit, visit, or visit blah, 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 www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 888- Seven eight nine seven 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 seven, or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Twenty-one plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bets bonus bets expire one hundred and sixty-eight hours after issuance. See dkng.com/football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. Bobby Skinner, you'll be glad you did. The next question. Did. Next question is coming from JC at Greg Cut underscore. What sort of deal would you be willing to offer Saquon Barkley this offseason if he ends up walking? Do the Giants move forward with Eric Gray, or are there other options that intrigue you either in the draft or free agency? Uh, Gray hasn't done anything to say you move forward with him. You'd have no. to have other options. Uh, man, I, I'm in franchise tagger or let him walk again. I, I really am, Justin. Like This season and where the Giants are right now, to me, me like – I'm in more of like letting him walk. And I, I got a lot on this, so I, I don't want to take up too much. I don't want to go on a monologue, but I'm going to go, go quick, and then you can tell me what you think. Uh, he's 45th of 47 running backs in success rate this year, right? And again, I think that's an offensive line step, but that is part of the point. Like He might get 1,000 yards this year, but he's danger, dangerously close to being under four yards per carry, which would be a second-worst season in efficiency since you know the only year that that was worse was 2021 where he was a legitimately just bad running back coming off the injury. This is worst receiving season was 17 yards per game after talking about how, oh, you know, I didn't like the comps to Derrick Henry and Nick Chubb. Well, guess what, man? You had a year that made you even look even more like that. He's still a good back, but he just doesn't have the wow plays that he did in the early years, Justin. And I'm going to keep it simple with this. I'm just not betting on his ages 27 to 29 seasons, which are years seven through nine for him, especially after missing games in four of the last five seasons. So if if they franchise tag him, I'll be completely fine with it. But I'm at a point now where I want those resources going else, elsewhere because you're you're not getting returns on the investment. You, are, you will have a bad run game. So you're not getting the returns on the investment. He's not adding much to the receiving game. Uh, you know, I know he had touchdowns this year, but he's not really adding much to the receiving game. Uh, you're, you're just not, you're not getting returns on the investment. So how do you, how do you, how do you justify that with a team that's not going to be a Super Bowl contender and cannot really afford that luxury? I mean, you know, you know my answer on it, but I mean, I, what I honestly think is going to happen, Bobby, I think he's going to take a deal that is awful for him. Awful. Because I think he understands, and I think John Mara and him are on a very similar page with this. And you, I... Think that this is kind of true. Like if I'm th- if I'm in Saquon Barkley's camp and if I'm if I'm if I'm even Saquon Barkley, I'm looking at the career of Tiki Barber, who is a borderline Hall of Famer, probably is a Hall of Famer. Event will eventually be. It seems like that's picking up steam. You look at Victor Cruz, even Justin Tuck that left for Oakland, but he's set up for life. Um, Amani Toomer. Greatest wide receiver in Giants franchise history, at least stats-wise. He is still making media appearances left and right and making money just from generating that. So the whole point of why I'm bringing up these former players is they're Giants for life. And they didn't leave. Besides Tuck. But still, seen as seen as Giants. These guys are Giants for life. Now, the, the biggest difference between Saquon Barkley and the rest of the players that I named, besides Tiki, but again, Tiki's a borderline Hall of Famer, did make a Super Bowl. All these guys won a Super Bowl. And Saquon Barkley right now is not on track to win a Super Bowl with the Giants. Um, But I think he realizes the impact of starting your career with the Giants. And if he ends his career with the Giants, no matter what he chooses to do, he will be set for the rest of his life simply because he was a Giant for life. See, I agree with that. I I agree that he thinks that way 100 But at the end of the day, once you get agents involved... I don't know. Like, what is that number going to be? 
like like re- realistically like because think about what it was last year and think about how this year has went all has went very bad now like Saquon hasn't been bad this year it's not like a 2021 year he's been good but the numbers haven't been great he has good volume obviously because he gets a lot of carries and so and to me it's it's like and here's like if it was coming off of year four Justin right like sure but even then he's like missed every game but like we're going into years seven eight seven we're going into year seven for Saquon Barkley a running back right um you know, and you look at the top average annual value running backs contracts in the NFL. Kamara, the Saints want to get out of that. Derrick Henry, that one's worked out despite the previous injury that he had. But they're still looking to trade him, right? John, Jonathan Taylor has less yards and yards per carry than his backup already. Nick Chubb got – he got one year – like Nick Chubb is known as like the good running back contract. Well, he got one year on it, tore his ACL, and then the third year is next year coming off the torn ACL. Aaron Jones has worked out fairly well despite his injuries, but he also took a pay cut. Pay cut. And then Miles Sanders, he's been horrible in Carolina. Um, Like, and here's like – if I want you to imagine right now, all the listeners right now, imagine you – Saquon Barkley is a Chicago Bear. Right. Imagine Saquon and he's had the exact copy and paste the exact same career. You're a fan of his, right? He's a good player, right? We're talking when we talk on jam football, we're talking about, hey, Saquon's good, but you know, the team around him holds him back. Would you be advocating for the New York Giants to go and sign Saquon Barkley? Even on a one year, $12 million contract? You wouldn't. You just, you're lying to yourself if you say that you would. You would say to go put those, those invest, that investments in other areas, right? You can get, you know, how about we get like, you know, split the franchise tag with, uh, you know, your fifth offensive lineman and edge depth, right? Cause it's going to be $12 million on the books next year. Obviously you can move around contracts and stuff. So the franchise tag, I won't, I won't be mad about the franchise tag. That'll be the fifth highest, like- the fifth highest, uh, cap number on the Giants so far next year. It'll be behind Jones. It'll be behind Waller, Andrew Thomas and Dexter Lawrence. Those are the four that will be. Uh, a higher cap number than than Saquon Barkley next year, and the Giants are going to have cap space to do basically, for the most part, what they want within reason. Once they cut Mark Lewinsky, they have forty two million dollars. But you have Xavier McKinney coming off the books. Yeah, not as much H- as we think because yeah, Jones no, really it's, kills it's, but it, yeah, but it's it's not a, it's not a ton either. Like it's not like hey, go go on a spending spree type money either. Like you're going to have to structure these deals a little bit uh, if you franchise tag Saquon Barkley. And I just to me, I just. Without getting deep into the free agency class, I just would rather put those investments somewhere else. We're going into year seven, right? And if you give him a two, three year deal, Justin, like, okay, are we are we hoping that year nine he's like he's still really good and contributing out on a Super Bowl team by then, right? Because year, year seven he's not going to be on a Super Bowl team. Year eight, it would be you know at best you're you're a team that's you know competing to go a little deep in the playoffs. You know, if you if you if you just get a slam dunk quarterback pick, then you got a chance. Um, so now, if they do get a quarterback, it sucks to take that weapon away from Saquon, and that's why I'm okay with franchise tagging him. But but um, you know, here's here's the thing. Here's where I'm at. And again, I'm bringing up that damn line of investing in the running game and not just a running back. I'm bringing that line back. Has Saquon Barkley? And I'm asking you this, and I'm asking all the listeners this. Has Saquon Barkley done enough as a running back in the year 2023 to prove that we should be investing in Saquon Barkley and not putting more resources into the running game? So that could be, you know, uh, an Eric, I'm, I'm not an Eric Gray slash tandem of one or two other running backs that hopefully can average four and a half. Over four yards per carry, right? Saquon Barkley has averaged four yards per attempt this year. And I look at maybe, let's just use 2019 as a comparison, 4.6 yards per attempt. That's really good. That's really good. Can the Giants generate a run game where they're averaging at least four and a half yards per carry and per attempt with all of their running backs combined? Has Saquon Barkley in the year 2023 proven that the Giants, that he deserves the Giants to invest in him as one of the sole heartbeats of their running game. Uh, my my answer is no. He has no. Not. I mean, you're not. You're just not. You're not getting return on the investment. No, right? you're not. 
Like, and again, I'm not going to be like, well, they're not winning, right? Well, they're not winning, but I still would re-sign Andrew Thomas, obviously. But here's the difference between Saquon Barkley and Andrew Thomas. Is that they can both be great at their position. But here's the thing. if With Andrew Thomas out there, no matter how great the team is, or how bad the team is, you're getting great left tackle play. You're getting great left tackle performance. You're getting your blindside protected. With the offensive line in the state that it is, as good as Saquon Barkley can be, you're not getting good running back efficiency and numbers. And that's why it's just, it's, to me, it's not, you're not getting returns on the investment. So I'm okay with the franchise tag because, again, you, you know, you don't want to just throw, throw away pieces. But if there is, if he's stopping you from like getting some free agents or, you know, a certain trade or whatever, then, uh, then like I, I'm, I'm letting it walk. Like I, if, if you told me I could get my fifth starter on the offensive line, and a good edge depth piece for $12 million average annual value, I'm taking that over Saquon Barkley. 2018 and 2019, yards after contact per attempt, 2.8 yards. Really damn good, right? Uh, 2021, where we all acknowledge that that was a bad year. Yards after contact per attempt, 1.7 yards. Even last year, 2022, yards after contact per attempt, 1.9. 2023, it's the same as 2021, 1.7 yards after contact he's not getting the same gritty yards like like he kind of not, not even gritty yards like he used to because he always bounced shit off the outside but it also comes down to broken tackles 2018 and 2019 broke 46 tackles combined the last two years he's broken 23 tackles combined that's half <laughs> it's half yeah. of what he did the first two years of his career 24.6 attempts per broken tackle last year, and he bumped that down to 20.8 attempts per broken tackle this year. I mean, it's just what what is what I want to know is what is Saquon Barkley overtly providing? He's a good running back. I know he's a good running back. I'm not calling him a bad running back. Yeah, we but, all know that. But what is Saquon Barkley extra providing this Giants offense that? If you're smart and responsible in what you do with the offensive line and you're smart and you're responsible in what you do with the Giants running backs and the committee that could follow, what is he adding that those people can't do? Yeah, and, and the honorable the, think about how bad the offense is with already. Think about how bad it'd be without Saquon Barkley. Brother, I'm living it. Like I'm I'm living with the thirtieth ranked offense in the NFL. Yeah. I'm living with a bad rushing game, right? There's other like hey. Like Darius Slayton, like I'm, I'm getting good. Produ- I'm getting the production I want out of him. Andrew Thomas, I'm getting the production I want out of him. Even Darren Waller, to me, I'm like I'm getting more production out of him when he's on the field than I am than I than I'm getting from Saquon Barkley. So it's it's hey, it's a tough it's a tough spot for running backs, and you know, and this is where I this is where it's the frustrating part is because you I agree with you where Saquon is he wants to be a giant for life, but. If it was all about football, you wouldn't want to be on the Giants, no. right? And that's where this this relationship gets very frustrating from both sides. Where it's like they love each other, but they would both be better off without each other yeah. for the next three years. If and Saquon Barkley again, wanted to win right now, he would go. He would. The Baltimore Ravens is such the perfect landing spot for him because they've been searching for a consistent running back play the last couple of years, but they're also a team that smartly won't invest in it either with a high cap hit or, you know, just, uh, you know, drafting a running back high. Um, it's such the perfect landing spot for him. The bills also would have been a perfect landing spot before James cook. Look at how James cook is, is killing up in Buffalo. Um, yeah, man, if he, if he can not, he cares about winning, but he also cares about winning in New York, but also he cares about his legacy. And again, he knows that the legacy, even if he doesn't win in New York will be more secure and he will financially and his family will be better off if he stays a New York giant for life. And that's true. You see, you see it with the guys that do stay giants for life, how they're worshiped here. Oh yeah. It's hundred percent true. Even Jesse Armstead, who was very good, didn't win a Super Bowl, worshiped, worshiped here. And rightfully so he was a giant. Yeah. And listen, I, I can't, be mad at him for that but it's just right now this is just like a relationship where it's like why does either side want this right now and when you answer that question you're not talking about what happens on the football field no when you answer that question from why does either, either both sides want this the answer does not include 
talking about what happens on the football field. And that, to me, is not a reason to do something. All right, next question. Next question. Next question is coming from Wes Locke, Wesley Westergold. Speaking of Darius Slayton, how good has Darius Slayton been this season? Will the fan base ever truly appreciate what he has done for the Giants in his five seasons? I think a complicated as, relationship, right? As, as we get to our, you know, our last mailbag part of the year, you know, I, I sometimes get tiresome talking about Darius Slayton, right? Like in camp, my question was like, who's going to lead the team in receiving outside of Waller? Well, guess what? He, he's going to lead it with Waller too. Um, But I truly do feel like he's been crazy disrespected. Now, not right now, right? Like now he's kind of getting a little love. He's getting some respect. But the next time he drops two balls in a game or any other wide receiver throws like, th- you know, shows a flash of being good. Darius Slayton's going to go right back to being the most disrespected player on the team, right? Like, I had people saying, like, oh, I stopped listening to the pod because Bobby says Darius Slayton's better than Isaiah Hodgins. He's disrespecting Hodgins. I'm like, yeah. I was like, I was like, are we out of our mind, right? And then you still have people saying today, like, oh, he could be a cap cut. He could be a cap cut. That's crazy to me. Like, he's going to lead the team receiving for the fourth time in five years. He's probably going to have a career high uh, this season in receiving yards on a team that's last in passing yards. A 60-plus catch rate on over 15 yards per carry in back-to-back years. You know, he's been missed or not thrown to on some deep attempts. He leads the team in deep catches, although Hyatt has more targets. Um, And he's gotten better as a route runner. Now, again, I know he hasn't dropped the ball this year, really. I'm not going to say, oh, his hands have been fixed. Twenty, His rookie year, he didn't drop the ball either, and then it got worse. So this year could be an outlier. But even if he drops some passes next year, I'm still going to very much appreciate Darius Slayton. Yeah, and you have seen a concerted effort. I did say conceded effort on a show last week, and um, my, 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 my speech therapist of the world called me out on it, and rightfully so, called me out on that shit. That was conceited of you. It was very conceited of me. He's made a concerted effort, I think, this year to really become more of a hands catcher. I um, mean, you, you heard that over the offseason, and then I think you've seen it this year on film, and you've seen it out there where you know he's been more aggressive going up and catching the football in the certain spots that he needs to. Uh, Bobby, you kind of mentioned this, but Darius Slayton is the only wide receiver in the NFL during the last two years to average at least 15 yards per reception, have at least 40 receptions, and have a catch percentage of at least 60%. Doesn't mean he's the best wide receiver in the NFL, because there are a lot of guys that get more volume than him, and when you get more volume, your yards per reception is usually lower. But what I think that shows is Darius Slayton does his job, and he does it really well. And that job isn't to be a wide receiver one, even though he's kind of been asked to carry that mantle (laughs) the last couple years, basically every year of his career except one. He does his job and he does it very, very well of, you know, what whatever they ask him to do, he is there for the offense. Is he spectacular? No, but I, I can appreciate in all these years that we've been doing this show of having very inconsistent players and being very frustrated with players. Darius Slayton has had a lot of frustrating moments, but I'm never sitting I've never sat back on this show and said, man, the Giants really need to move on from Darius Slayton because I can't deal with his frustration and his inconsistency anymore. Never has that ever really crossed my mind. And he's also gotten better in the area that I think he was worst in in yards after the catch. Like, he's gone from with Jason Garrett, a war criminal, um, where he was really bad yards after the catch, to Brian Dable, a good offensive coach, where Darius Slayton's speed is now a weapon with uh, after the catch. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know... So we'll talk about Slayton a little bit as you know in this off season, but as this season ends, I want to let it know I am not unappreciative of Darius Slayton, and and it's why I get a little tiresome talking about him because I do think he is, gets just overly disrespected. I understand drops are the, you know, like if you want to compare it to drops, right? Like I know Evan Ingram's having success in Jacksonville, but like I I have more appreciation for Darius Slayton than I will ever have of Evan Ingram. And I'd much rather have Darius Slayton on my team for his contract than I would Evan Ingram on his current contract, right? Like, Evan Ingram's not a good blocker, right? Evan Ingram's valuable. Like, we saw him with Pat Shermer have a lot more valuable. And, he, you know, he was someone that was hurt by Jason Garrett's scheme a lot, too. But to me, like, Slayton, for what he is, I'm I'm much more appreciative of him than I am other guys who yeah. have had the drops issues. Yeah, the, dro- the drops are you tough. You have no speed element on the 2022 Giants roster. No, with, no. Without him. No. 
Um, the drops are tough, and the drops. I mean, uh, that that Washington game is is really really tough. And There's man, multiple if, games. If the Giants, if the Giants lose that wild card game uh, against the Vikings, we're saying it's because of Darius Slayton and that wide open dropped pass he had over the middle of the field on that crosser. So, um, and he wouldn't be back with the Giants in 2023 if he did drop that. If 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 the drop resulted in a loss, I should say he would not have been back. So, and I agree. I don't want to discount drops, right? Because they matter, but I don't think they matter as much as other people say. And to me, the pauses far outweigh the negatives. And again, Correct. it's not—it's not his fault that he's that team has not been able to figure out wide receiver one right. in five years. It's not his fault. Yeah, for sure. Uh, GPO Giants at GPO Giants nineteen ninety nine. Do you think Joe Shane will consider drafting a quarterback, or will he choose to read and add instead? If you are coming to the Giants Eagles game this Sunday at four thirty. Um, I hope you could stop by our tailgate at L16. Actually, you know what? I don't just hope. I'm requiring it. I am requiring it. And there will be violence. Uh, your car may be on fire when you get back to the parking lot, because I'll know if you don't stop by. Um, L16 on the curb. Shop.johnmoymedia.com if you want tickets. There's uh, there's alcohol and there's food that will be provided. Um, we're the only event that's listed on the John Boy Media website if you go to, if you go to that site. And the link is also... In the description below, I have a predicament. I talked about it earlier. We have a tradition, and it's one of my favorite traditions every single year. We've done this uh, since 2021. Of I take a group of people to the Candlewick Diner after the last Giants home game every single year, and I, you know, we we pay for their dinner. It's like all right, it's a, it's a thank you to. You know, it's a ce- it's a celebration that the season's over, and then it's also a thank you to people for sticking around with us. The game being at 4.30 is a very, very tough situation that we're in. And I don't know what to do about it. So what time do you would you get there? Are you going to planning on get there if you weren't going to do the dinner at all? So I would – I get to MetLife Stadium for a 1, 8, for a 1 p.m. game. No, for a I, 4.30 game. No, no, no. But I, I need to just do this math in my head real quick. For I'm a one, the gates open. For a 1 p.m. game, I get there at 7 a.m., so that's six hours before kickoff. Once so you just I, add three hours, that's 10 a.m. I Yeah, all right, so that's what I needed to do. I needed to do that for me to get there. So I would get I get to MetLife parking lot at 10 a.m. for a 4.30 game. Um, probably, probably the lots open at like 11.15. So I think I would, we would have to go to Candlewick at like 8.15, 8.30. Yeah, here's yes. Yeah, most people don't want to get there to the no, game. No, they don't that want to early. get the psychopaths show up. But that early. could make it kind of make it worth it, though. It's like, hey, you know, you get ten people who really want to do that. Now, here's the thing: if you if if you want to record late after that Bills Dolphins game, I'm also okay. I mean, we're not. That's going to be a no notes podcast. That's going to be. I mean, that, that and we very. I almost. I don't think I ever have no notes podcast. There's. You know what? Now I'm saying I will have some talking no, points. No, you'll ha- you'll have some talking points. But, but I it's kinda, not going to be hard notes. It's going to it's going to be easy notes. I don't want to record at 10 p.m. though <laughs> or 11. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll we'll see. Well, if you're then, leaving the game, you're going to be you're going to be recording late anyways. Yeah. No. I, we'll we'll still we'll still be recording by 8:30. So I don't know. We'll we'll see. Le- leave a uh, leave comments. Uh, me- send me a message. Send me a tweet. Leave comments on the Twitter post and then leave YouTube comments. Uh, I probably would limit it to ten people. I would do an we would do an RSVP link, and and ten people would sign up. Ten people would get tickets, and then it would close after ten people. So because la- last year it got way too crazy. We had like twenty people, and we were spread all throughout the diner, and it was crazy. Um, but so ten people, that's what it would be. And if you're down to, hey, I got an idea. Yeah. Do you think Manny would let you just record the podcast from Candlewick Diner? That's an idea. I probably would need to go somewhere quiet because odds are in the middle of a diner wouldn't be the best place just for me say, to concentrate. Like, hey, set us up in the corner and like, you know, maybe, maybe the people that are there can actually no, they won't be able to hear me. No, they won't be able to hear you, and it'll be that'll, that that would be crazy. It's it's a nice it's a nice idea, but it, it's a that'd be a little crazy. Let me know. Let me know what people would be. Would be down to do. Are there ten people out there that would be willing to show up at the Kennewick Diner at eight fifteen a.m. on Sunday morning? That's probably going to be the bet. The play is to do that. All right. Next question. 
Sports at Sports on here. Great name. How did Trey Hawkins go from a potential starter in training camp to sitting at the bottom of the depth chart? I don't have a great answer for this. You know, he kind of got benched for his tackling issues against the Cardinals, Justin, right? What you say? I get it. I am, I'm, a, I'm, 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 I'm on board with that. He's played two defensive snaps in the last six games, right? And I know it's like, oh, well, giant fans always overhype their uh, day through draft picks. Absolutely, right? It's, it can be annoying sometimes. We didn't overhype this guy. The New York Giants, they bought the second week of training camp, Justin, when we were getting hyped on Trey Hawkins, they said, okay, you're our starting outside corner. Adoria Jackson, change the position you play. Mid-camp, change the position you play. Hey, best corner, change the position you play. (laughs) And they didn't stray away from it until, you know, once the season got rolling, right? Like, there was no strength. Like, and we were getting called, like, haters for saying, like, I don't know if I agree with putting Adore in the slot. We don't need to rush Hawkins. Like, Hawkins has been fun. I don't think we got to rush him. Like, it's, I understand him playing their three best players. But when Banks gets hurt, like, the idea that he's gotten two defense snaps in the last six games is, it's kind of wild that you'd ha- you have, they haven't at least you know put, rotate them out there here and there. Can I tell you a fun fact about Trey Hawkins that I recently learned from somebody who was connected to Old Dominion? Uh, somebody came up to me at a tailgate and said this. Do you know Trey Hawkins? Like his name isn't Trey. Do you know what his first name is? I think it's like it's like something something Travius. Well, it's Larry Hawkins the third, and he's called Larry. Trey because the third is Trace. So she goes by Trey Hawkins, but you but they called him at Old Dominion. They called him Lockdown Larry. We knew that was his nickname. We we're like, why do they call him Lockdown Larry? Like, okay, didn't know that. Yeah. So thank you to I forget who told me at the tailgate, but I I'm glad we had a Trey Hawkins question, so now I can casually bring that up and not be weird about it. Um, here's what I ultimately think is going down and is happening. Um. I don't know why they did that in training camp and they thought that realistically those were the three best players because it, it kind of was very, oh, you you mean starting two outside corners uh, against the 49ers, against the Seahawks, against the Cowboys, and, and against these gauntlet of offensive teams that we played early in the season? You mean that wasn't going to work as well as you thought? <laughs> so crazy. And it, and it wasn't just a week one thing against C.D. Lane like a lot of people were telling us too. You don't practice the entire training camp for your week one matchup. That's not how that works. So here's what I think it is. The the player that we saw all summer, Bobby, was a confident lockdown Larry Trey Hawkins. Confident player and making plays. Physical player. And it's it matched what we saw at Old Dominion. It matched what we saw on tape, and, and that was awesome. I think the speed of the NFL, and I think just the compl- whether it's comp- whether it's complex, whether the athletes are different, all these things. I think that's why we haven't seen him. Because just let the let him have the good camp. He got his experience, struggled with it. Nick McLeod's an experienced corner. Let's regroup and rock and roll for for next year. That's kind that's kind of what I think is is going on here. Which should have always been the plan. It's just it. It is remarkable that like he went from again making them change Adoree Jackson's position to hey you you get two snaps in the last six weeks and Deontay Banks is injured you're not going to play at all buddy um, so it'll be interesting to see how his camp goes and stuff but you know his his timeline got accelerated and now it's kind of I guess back where where it belonged yeah and, and you know he got benched for tackling but. That was like he was a very physical player at Old Dominion. That's the first, like the first, the first play you watch a film of him at Tre- at Old yep. Dominion. It's like, oh my god, this guy can is physical, and he had these weird tackle attempts in Arizona, and, and then got benched afterwards, yeah. which I, I I agreed with, but still, it's it's remarkable. And I and I hope I think and I hope that player is still in there because we saw that physical competitor ball player in training camp we, we, we saw it and you know the player that Deontay Banks was in training camp was relatively the player that we saw this year I think the player that we saw you know uh Darnay Holmes and Cordell Flott the players that we saw them be in training camp I think that matched what happened on the field this year and the only one where it didn't match was was Trey Hawkins so I'm still 
confident that that player is in there. Um, but I do think like, hey, the you're you're playing in an NFL game. You know, the lights are brighter, the athletes are faster, the guys are more physical. Um, I think that kind of caught up with him. Um, and you know, he wasn't up for it ready right right away. But I still think that there's a a solid enough ball player where Trey Hawkins can be at least be here for all of his rookie contract and maybe even serve as a backup. Well, he's he's an NFL. He has the NFL size and athleticism, right? Like six hey, three. My talk, my my line on him was he is everything that people said Corey Trice was. Where like you heard all this shit about Corey Trice and then you watched him, like this is this is not good. This guy's not a good corner ever. Um, where Hawkins, you see it in there. It's like okay, clean clean these things up, and you got yourself a, a solid player. All right, next question, Bobby Spence at Post Crab Core. Has JMS trended up or down since the start of the season? Down. And I hate that I'm going into this offseason, Justin. And we're going to talk about having like major need major improvements out of John Michael Schmitz. I I can't I hate that we're here. He's given up five sacks, two hits, 23 pressures, uh, you know, the worst pass blocking efficiency of 32 centers this year. Uh, you know, just got worked by Kobe Turner. I I thought his worst game of the year. And that's what bothers me the most, right? Is like he had some losses to Micah Parsons and Javon Hargraves Justin earlier in the year, but I saw good film. I saw I saw good stuff. And these last six weeks, I've seen like negative stuff, and it happened more frequently against lesser par- players like Fedarian Mathis, who's you know the third defense tackle versus the Commanders. Like, that was his second worst game. Now, Kobe Turner's been a really good rookie, right? But at the end of the day, he is a rookie that was drafted lower than than JMS. And he's faced some other good defensive tackles. So, and you've, you've seen him start to make mental mistakes, which the first half of the season you didn't see at all. Uh, I, I hate talking about, like, kind of blaming every offensive line issue on Bobby Johnson. But it's another reason why you've got to get rid of him. Like, you have investments in these guys, and they're, you're seeing regression in season in a lot of them. In every single one, <laughs> every single one, yeah, right. It's cra- it's crazy. It is insane. To- Besides the ones that were from Dave Gettleman, Ben Bredesen, I, I guess hasn't like Ben Bredesen's had a much worse season this year than he did last year. Oh yeah, all right. Well then, include Ben Bredesen in it. You know, so it's he's he's just that he's made mistakes that he didn't make earlier in the year. Like there was always times where hey. A, a Javon Hargrave beat him or, you know, a guy got the best of him, you know, just out muscled him. But there's just, there's things that you're seeing him do that like that didn't happen earlier in the year. Like even if there was concerns earlier in the year about like maybe play strength against NFL defense tackles and the foot speed, it's like, well, these type of things weren't happening where he's making mental mistakes with stunts, blitz pickup, um, and you know, not setting correctly. There's just a lot of stuff that's happening. So I, 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 and listen, this is not an Evan Neal situation to me where Evan Neal just looked like a bad player who looked like he didn't belong in the NFL. I don't think that shows up with JMS, but there does need to be a lot of improvement from JMS to get to a point where we're happy with that pick, too. 33 year old Justin Pugh is the second best technical offensive line lineman on the team. Like, obviously, Justin Pugh gets beat because he's old and maybe a little bit slower and not strong, but. 33-year-old Justin Pugh, the second-best technical offensive lineman on the team behind Andrew Thomas? Yeah, it's, like, not even close either. <laughs> Great. So, so, and again, I, I do have faith in JMS, right? This isn't a – like, last year at this time, did I have faith in Evan Neal? Absolutely not. With JMS, I've got some faith. Um, There's less anxiety, but there, there needs to be serious improvements. Yeah. You see the value of good old line coaching too around around the NFL and the guys that you know the guys that stay there for a long time. Um, oh, remember, remember uh, who's that? Uh, who's the former Cowboys offensive line coach that's now with Cleveland? Bill Callahan. Yeah, Bill Callahan. Remember when we uh, uh, instead of uh, you know, hey, let's uh, let's maybe go after Bill Callahan for old line coach, but no, we got to get Jason Garrett as the offensive coordinator, and they hate each other. Remember that. I do, and then we got Mark Colombo, possibly the worst out of all these O-line coaches. Actually, no, I'd, I'd say Bobby Johnson's results have been, oh, boy, they were so bad. Anyways, next question. Chris Kyleth at, at C. Kyleth. Has Isaiah Simmons improved on his flaws that you highlighted in your film breakdown of him, and would you guys want him back next season? 
not necessarily, but he's done what we said in the film break. The film in those in that podcast from the Giants traded for is like this is what you got to do: use him as a specialty, put him in man coverage, let him blitz. And he's done that role pretty well, Justin. Now he's gotten a little more regular linebacker snaps, but he's still a bad tackler, right? And he's he's not asked to much play much real linebacker play. Isaiah Simmons to me is the player that's most tied at the hip to Wink Martindale. If Wink Martindale stays, I want Isaiah Simmons. He adds value to the team. If Wink Martindale leaves, then I don't think Isaiah Simmons adds much value. And if he does, it's as your fourth linebacker, not as your third linebacker. It's crazy. I definitely thought that he would get. 100 pass rush snaps this year and he has 82 so he hasn't even hasn't even cleared that but seven pressures one sack no qb hits six hurries yeah i i 17 percent missed tackle rate which is a career high for him and that does shows not, that, up that's the thing that bothers time. me the most man because you have negative plays that are there and for a guy that doesn't get a ton of opportunities you know isaiah simmons 342 career snaps uh you know his career low is 376 on a complete season. And that was his rookie year in 2020. So, you know, I if he doesn't get 34 snaps this weekend, then this is going to be a career low of snaps for us for Isaiah Simmons. And to have, you know, a, a, the career high, you know, career high and missed tackle rate, that that sucks. So you don't get a lot of opportunities to create negative plays when you're not on the field a ton. And he's had multiple opportunities this year of missed tackles or even some tackles that he's had that have led to some big explosive plays, and that's been an issue all year. Uh, I if Wink Martindale's I'm happy with back, the trade though. If Wink Martindale's back, I want Isaiah Simmons back, one hundred percent. But that's still you know, he's he's a backup linebacker for a reason, and, and and he's more of a he becomes more valuable, and he is more valuable with Wink Martindale versus without Wink Martindale. He like I, I don't even know if I would want him as a backup linebacker on the team. No, he'd have to be like a four. I mean, he's a, he's a gadget defense. He's not even, to me, like a true backup. Like, obviously, he would come in if Mike McFadden went down. But he to me, he's a gadget defensive player, um, which, which again, adds value, right? Like, you get me a guy who's not just a, like, a, like a seven. If, like, I, I'm doing the trade all over again. Now, yeah. maybe if, if I thought Wink Martindale would get fired, maybe I'd rethink that. But I'm, I'm beginning of the year, I'm, re, I'm redoing that trade all over again. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I mean, here's the 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 expectation that he was ever going to become a a down to down linebacker was always just based off of like pre draft hype. It was not off of anything that happened in Arizona. Right, right. And I think he's been very very valuable as that weapon. And as you know, when they're showing those cover zero looks, he's somebody that you have to account for. That's not somebody that you can just oh, that's a linebacker that they isn't fast and can't do anything. He yeah. closes like he's fat. He's fast as fuck, and you can't teach speed. So and he's he is good. He is like legit good in man coverage too. Like he he yeah, is pretty he is. damn good. That did show up in Arizona, right? Like like he is good in those in those spots, and you know I think he he he's closed out some play, even though he ha- he doesn't tackle well on some of those third down and longs where they throw the ball underneath and the guy's looking to get yak. Yeah, he closes the gap a lot faster than other linebackers will, and I think it stopped teams from getting some third down and long conversions on the Giants. So he adds value absolutely, but he is he's a gadget player. Next question. Last question. Jose Martinez at DJ Dominitas. Would you rather fight a hundred so- duck-sized Dexter Lawrence's or one Dexter Lawrence-sized duck? I feel like we did this a couple years ago with Mike Glennon, if I'm not mistaken, sure, Justin. with his neck. The, the answer is easily one Dexter Lawrence-sized duck. It's all about the thumbs. You get... And ducks aren't, like, tiny. You know, they're not ants. Like... You know they're they're big size birds. You get some of those with the Dexter Lawrence strength and thumbs and hands, like they're going to demolish you. They're gonna rip you to shit. A Dexter Lawrence size duck. I'm picking myself in that fight. I'm gonna grab, I'm gonna grab him by his big ass neck and literally just swing him around. And and I'm I'm gonna win that battle ten times out of ten. Well, lower man wins. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going low. Well, I'm I'm bigger than the Dexter Lawrence sized duck, right? Sure. So I'm I'm not I'm necessarily not. lower man, but I'm but here's what I am doing. I first thing I'm doing, I'm like a pit bull. I'm going straight for the neck. That is my goal. I'm getting your neck. A hundred one hundred of anything is scarier than one of something. Well, if it was ants, like uh, you know, or hundreds, you know, a hundred Dexter, you know, what what's something 
100 Dexter uh, lizard-sized Dexter Lawrences. I'm going against that. I'm just going to stomp them all. Um, no, well, what if one gets in your leg and then you're done? Up here in the I mood. will just use my hand, rip him off, and throw him 100 yards. Ugh, I'm now, now I'm envisioning a lizard crawling up my leg and then freaking out. It's crazy you guys just don't have lizards up there, huh? No, whenever I go to Cancun, which it's been like... Oh, they have big lizards. Which it's been a very long time since that's happened, but... Whenever whenever I did go to Cancun, there would just be lizards everywhere. Even like the the tiny ones would freak me out more than the big ones because the tiny ones you never know where they go. They can go in your shit, and then you then you get back to the room, and there's just a lizard in there. My my friend, his younger brother, they went to Costa Rica, and they are like they're they're adventurous, right? Like I actually lived with them for a little while, and his dad had a bunch of snakes, and the snakes were all in my room, and I would always go and put rocks on top of the cages, and he would take them off to feed them and wouldn't put them back on they also had like tarantulas and stuff he tried to smuggle in some lizards from costa rica the youngest kid and the border customs just like goes to open up a mason jar of lizards and he's like don't do that because he had it like wrapped up <laughs> and they had a bunch of lizards running through the airport nice costa rica so get don't 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 try and smuggle animals from different animals guys you could it's get caught from different countries that's bobby can I tell one other story about them? We, cause I, and I lived with, um, my friend too at the time. We had a couple other people living with us and we had a tarantula at our house and we when, when we'd have parties, we'd let them out and hold them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Went missing, right? Missing for like almost a you week. You said tar- tarantulas like spiders? Yeah. That's crazy. Went missing for almost a week and we're like, oh, he's just gone. Like the tarantula's gone. And we had a couple that was living with us and we're playing like video games or something and you hear, this this girl scream at the top of her lungs it was in her shower towel shower towel (gasps) as she's like getting into the shower goes to pick up her towel and then the tarantula is right there (laughs) it's one of the funniest things i could i I could like out of all the places it was a big house too we had five people living in there and it ended up being the the one female that lived in the house's towel i have a shower towel incident do you know what the story i'm about to tell no, when your house burned down? No, not that. <laughs> when, when I got stung by a bee in college, getting out of the shower, I was naked. I was naked. I put the towel, thankfully, on my stomach first. There are a lot of other areas that I could have put the towel on that would have been worse. I almost um, died. Like my shoulder. Bee. You would have died. You would have died. It, it stung me. So I, I get the towel. I It's like the fall. So the weather's still warm in Philadelphia. So I get the towel. I put it on my stomach. I feel a poke. And then I see the fucker fall. And I, like, just watched it for five minutes. Because I was so amazed that 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 just happened to me. That I got stung by a bee naked, getting out of the shower. So I watched it crawl for its life. And then I stepped on it. And then moved on with my day. Oh, you let it know. Let all be friends know. Don't don't try me. Are you rooting for the Giants to give up twenty two sacks so they could break the the Eagles record? To give up twenty two sacks? Yeah, in this game, that would be a lot. No, would, to be honest, <laughs> to be honest, no. <laughs> Giants are second most all time. To be honest, no, I'm not. I'm not rooting to go to MetLife Stadium on Sunday. Which, it, hey, stay tuned for that weather forecast on Friday show. It may or may not snow and rain. So, he oh, freaking dude, hot. snow to end the season would be perfect. Well, it's. Gonna, I think it's going to be too warm, so it's going to it's going to turn into snow. It's going to turn into rain. Um, and it'll be, I think half the Giants' home games this year will be just in the rain, and that's great. How about that? I will see you guys Friday for a preview pod. Um, I'm very, we're not really going to be actually previewing the game. We're going to do, is this guy back or not? We're going to do the Tony Award, which I'm actually really excited for. There's a lot for. we have to do. And, you know, the finale of spread picks and the fantasy draft. So um, we'll see you then. We appreciate you guys. Until then, let's go Big Blue.